For many a year, uh, you could pretty much bank. And around me, eventually, I'd bring up uh, our need for a constitutional Congress. Usually just about to anyone, anywhere. Typically, the first thing I hear is, You don't have the authority to call constitutional Congress. And I hear that. I gotta admit, <laughs> I'm thrown into dumbfounded awe. I mean, this is the same America I grew up in, right? I'm, I'm not in bizarre world. That's so cliche. And this is the same America that required me, good old West Texas boy, to take U.S. history in junior high, middle school for you weirdos, high school, high school for you weirdos, and for my basics, the first two years in for you weirdos in community college, in college. I mean, yeah. I'm from West Texas. Can't you tell? We're typically seven to nine years behind New York City or Los Angeles. And we aren't supposed to be very subtly sophisticated. But I know I wasn't the only one in class. In my 1991 graduation was, okay, it was a long time ago. Irregardless. This is what I know, the right, inherent, inalienable, natural right of people to assert their obligation and ability to alter or change entirely any government they feel has failed to meet their fellow citizens and themselves basic inalienable rights was absolutely foundational in the creation of the United States or the nascent United States over two centuries ago. What do I mean? I mean, it is my right as an agent, as a human, to call for a constitutional convention. It's yours. I shouldn't have to let every single United States citizen that breathes air at this moment know that we all have that inalienable ability. We need to stop thinking of rights and start accepting our abilities. A right is something that is enumerated into a document that, for example, if you attempt to lay down and define ethics or a moral imperative into a regulation, ordinance, or law, then what you have done is, one, admit that it can be removed or misinterpreted or misapplied. And you are also... Allowing it to be imprisoned. A right, especially in morals or ethics, if you enumerate it 
into regulatory documentation or for a government to use, then anything not defined within the document or any of the endless eternal amendments is permissible. In effect, you create a baby sense of entitlement out of your expectations and one by one, the expectations of everyone around you within a society that is attempting to do such a thing. Now, it seems right. It seems counterintuitive. Let me give you an example. In California, they uh, looked around and saw that there were a whole bunch of folks not getting lunches. Why? Because they were being worked to the bone and paid nothing. Dirt. Now, I'm from Texas, and contrary to what my family and friends and everybody in the Midwest uh, think about whatever it is they their brainwashing and programming has uh, lately dictated they should think. Um, the fact is, is that, yeah, you should be allowed to have a lunch. And, and that you don't get a lunch is not cool. But that doesn't mean that when the, a law is then passed that every employer is required to ensure that each employee has a half-hour lunch. That doesn't mean that those folks like myself, who've been in the industry for 15 and 20 years, now only get a 30-minute lunch, but that's what they do. That's what they do. It becomes, in trying to do a good thing, it becomes a cudgel. That right, if we're going to go within the framework of what we exist in, let's stick to that, and then I'll enumerate Maybe in a later episode. Otherwise, you're going to just totally fall. Hey, wake up! Oh, oh, sorry. Within this framework, I have a right, and you do, to call a constitutional congress. That right was conferred in the bones of our skeletal documents. The Declaration of Independence. Now, forgetting that... We, we realize our peril. Allow me. Again, this is the third time I've done it since March of 2020 to place the officially broadcasted call for a peaceful assembly of, of representatives for a constitutional convention that is a randomly picked set of the citizenry to come together and choose how we are going to be governed going forward. It's enumerated in the founding precedents of modern political philosophy, as well as couch within it a call within some simple philosophical and grounding context. Context, you might ask. Indeed, let's start with a source Everyone should have no trouble finding Wikipedia's right of revolution. In the opening paragraph, it states, In political philosophy, the right of revolution or right of rebellion is the right or duty of the people of a nation to overthrow a government that acts against their common interests and or threatens the safety of the people without cause. Stated throughout history in one form or another, the belief in this right 
has been used to justify various revolutions, including the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, and the Iranian Revolution. And for a comedic sidebar, and the Dance, Dance, Dance Revolution. Now, many of our founders, if not all of them, and the thought leaders, quote-unquote, who fertilized that soil from which other movements and revelations and revolutions and transitions grew, extolled the ideas of deep thinkers that you might have heard of that you might respect, such as John Locke. John Locke was an instrumental philosopher, and his writings were drawn upon heavily. He declared that, from John Locke's biography at www.biography.com, Under the natural law, all people have the right to life, liberty, and estate. Under the social contract, the people could instigate a revolution against the government when it acted against the interests of citizens to replace the government with one that served the interests of citizens. In some cases, Locke deemed revolution an obligation. The right of revolution thus essentially acted as a safeguard against tyranny. That isn't tyranny as in the name of the female Tyrannosaurus Rex that's rampaging through the next Jurassic Park movie, okay? At https www.hs.ias.edu that means college. Slash files, images, Emirati, white, JP, JPEG. You can find Morton White, Professor Emeritus, School of Historic Studies, one of America's most distinguished philosophers and historians of ideas. In his considerations regarding our own American revolutions, he said, <clears throat> the notion that they had a duty to rebel is extremely Important distress, for it shows that they thought they were complying with the commands of natural law and of nature's God when they threw off absolute despotism. Now, there was an emeritus professor of law at the University of New Mexico. He's a legal historian, uh, Christian Fritz. He envisioned a contract, not the first, not the last, a compact between a ruler and the people had been made. He said, I don't even know what it sounds like, so you'll have to forgive me here. In this bargain, the people were protected by the monarch in exchange for the people giving the king allegiance. This was a contractual relationship. American revolutionaries accused John III of breaching his implied duty of protection under that contract, thereby releasing the people in the colonies from their allegiance. The sovereign's breach of the hypothetical contract gave rise to the subject's Right of revolution grounded on both natural law and English constitutional doctrine. Wake up! Oh, sorry. If you keep going in Wikipedia, you can find discussion on the preconditions that sober-minded individuals, or many of them not sober, like our own Alexander Hamilton, our own, well, he was an immigrant, and Thomas Jefferson, they felt it was necessary prior to inciting such... I hesitate to say bold, uh, rebellious, traitorous, mutinous move as altering the established governing of a society. 
On the eve of the American Revolution, for example, Americans considered the plight to justify exercising the right of revolution. Alexander Hamilton justified American resistance as an expression of, quote, the law of nature, redressing violations of, quote, the first principles of a civil society and invasions of, quote, the rights of a whole people. For Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration was the last-ditch effort of an oppressed people. The position in which many Americans saw themselves in 1776, uh, that is to say, this is not the quote, but when they say many Americans, it, they could mean three. Jefferson's litany of colonial, colonial grievances was an effort to establish that Americans met their burden to exercise the natural law right of revolution. <clears throat> this 19th century engraving of Hamilton that I'm looking at was made from full-length portrait of him by John Trumbull uh, while on canvas in 1792 from the website alexanderhamilton.org. You know, yeah, that that's, he had a lot of money. Now, the basis for the call and if my fellow citizens agree that the logic is sound, and it is sound, finding an agreement that my fellow citizens can agree on is the challenge, because they believe truth is subjective, and that is a problem. We have to go for logical validity. A case built solidly is the sentiment mirrored in the heart and sincere in the presentation of the venerable document. Well, I say venerable. It's applied in many ways that I think we would find reprehensible. But in the document, the Declaration of Independence, uh, it's an enshrined document by the government, as most founding documents are, uh, expressed the revolutionaries' reasons for independence with the preamble and begins the case saying, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth their separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to separation. We're almost done with this section. It continues to the core reasoning that informs this call that was made and has been made repeatedly, yet to be picking up, picked up. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women and LGBTQ, and etc., etc., are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <clears throat> that part right there, the unalienable rights, that foundational cornerstone of our society, supposedly, the lives of our citizens is in that the liberty of everyone and any potential hope 
for the prospect of future happiness. That right there, just in that alone, our government and those who portray themselves as servants of us have consistently and repeatedly and at will violated, breached, and ruined our any future expectations and tore any of those apparently false illusions asunder. They thereby placed it into serious jeopardy by those who would be our servants and representatives. These, quote, unalienable rights have been disregarded repeatedly. Obviously, they're, in, they're alienable, but never so egregiously as in recent history. Our right to make this call resides in the question, how many American lives are subjectively, conditionally spent for corrupted and irredeemable purveyors of a system that we think is ours. That that they normalize violence. Just for the loss of life alone and the exception of any innocent person being persecuted and imprisoned in our justice system, meaning it is not a system of justice, it is a system of punishment by those who have money to pay for the punishment. All of that qualifies as a violation of the following stated in the Declaration. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving the just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Mind you, these contracts are binding for those who have the power to bind it and uh, the ability to enforce it. Um, these same contracts were made with those who didn't, and uh, we have yet to fully honor those. So tell me, America, how much liberty have you had lately? Are you feeling happy? I'm doing what any responsible citizen, any country, should. I, I feel I should, entrusted by the founders of it, to be informed, to pay attention, as to be responsible. Not especially because I'm a veteran Marine, but the veteran Marine experience in my life informs you of this service that is inherent in my view of being a responsible citizen. I served honorably. Now, in May of 2020, time before now, even, I'm calling on the people of the U.S., the United States, to rally to the call before them, to seriously consider the fundamental danger facing Every single one of us. Male, female, trans, cis, 
black, white, red, yellow, brown, young, old, 2D, 3D, 4D, paper mache, crochet, and uh, Martha Stewart. We must, as our obligation to ourselves, use these instruments that are used to bind us, to bind us.